Hi, my name is Esther, and today we'll be talking about Pegasus Project and one of its surviving time-traveling children. Keep listening to find out what the hell happened. Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened. I am here today with Mr. Lockwood. Hello. It's not as fun without another word, is it? No. no. Like, you didn't dream one up for me? No, because I didn't in the last episode either. You picked your mm. own, so I figured... We'd... I got another one then. Abhorrent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now say the definition. Brutal. Disgusting. <laughs> evil. <laughs> abhorrent. <laughs> amoral. And... Let's see what it really is. <laughs> Oh, that wasn't the real definition. I just made that up. I don't know. Disgusting, loathsome, or repellent. 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 Not repulsive. Mm, Same thing. Mm. I don't really think you're any of those. They're not Mm. really good descriptors for you. Detestable. Oh, that's Mm. a good one. I do detest Mm. you frequently. (laughs) (laughs) So this is part two of our two-part episode on the Pegasus Project. And um, if you haven't listened to the first one, you're going to need to go back and listen to part one of the Pegasus Project. Otherwise, you might be a little bit lost. Yeah. Get back there and listen. Back there and listen. You definitely don't want to do it backwards. Maybe you do. That being said, let me just ask you, do you remember... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Everything that happened. I think, um, you know, if you're a time traveler, you would have to get used to things being out of order. You would think so. Yes. Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. So you remember mm-hmm. about Andy Bashago and the all the different modes of time travel. Eight. Eight of them. Eight of them. Not just one, but eight. No. So... Because uh, one's not enough. That's right. That's right. So... <clears throat> To start off our second part, we are going to start by talking about the Chronovisor. Oh, yes. Yes. You finally get to learn a little bit more about the Chronovisor. Uh, there is an app, a Chronovisor app. That's not the Chronovisor. It's the... Oh. You're thinking the um, Oh, yes. The Tachistoscope. Yes. The Chronovisor is the thing. Oh, what do you... What? How did you say it? You focus electromagnetic fields on it and then it turns into a hologram that you can see through time bismuth crystals bismuth crystals eight-sided yes mm. specifically mm. eight-sided right and we did look up bismuth crystals i did look at some yeah we were going to try to order some they grow in a real odd pattern so getting in a perfectly eight-sided one may be very difficult to do yeah yeah so maybe that's why so the shape would matter yeah i agree so let me tell you a little bit about the history of this. Okay? Who's that? Who that? That guy looks like a Heaven's Gate guy. <laughs> I don't know. Don't you remember the Heaven's Gate cult? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He looks like that. Okay, well, you're going to have to listen for me to tell you who this is. Uh, I don't like listening. It's in the first five words you'll get to know. Okay. okay? Is that? Uh, are you patient uh, enough for that? I don't know. <laughs> okay. We'll see. All right, so the chronovisor. The chronovisor was accidentally created by Father Pellegrino Ernetti, who was a musicologist and had studied physics, and also by 
Agostino Gemelli. And so this is Father Pellegrino Ernetti. So we're just going to call him <laughs> Father Ernetti. So he does look like a cult leader for a reason. Yeah, maybe Because he's a kind bit. of a cult leader, he's, possibly. He does have a robe on. <laughs> <laughs> and then here is Father Gemelli. And he was the president of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences. Mm. These two guys are the two guys that accidentally created the coronavisor. Father Ernetti was experimenting with Gregorian chants to try to split the signals of different voices in the chants. They were trying to figure out why the chants had mystical properties. While working with the device, they tweaked it a little and heard a voice come through that was recognized by Gemelli as his father. The voice called him by a childhood nickname. It was then that they realized that they had accidentally tapped into the past. The Gregorian chanting is just sort of like the Tibetan chanting, where the Tibetans can like move stones with their voices. At a certain vibration or a yeah. certain um, resonant note frequencies. Together. That's what that's called. <clears throat> right. So I think they were trying to figure out how and why that worked. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of interesting things that can be done with resonance. You know, everyone knows the the opera singer breaking the glass. Well, you can also make lasers with resonance. Lasers. Lasers. Hmm. That's how they work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By resonating gas. <laughs> Do you make lasers with your body? You shake gas <laughs> with electromagnetic fields. Uh-huh. And if you shake it hard enough, it starts shooting light out of it. Mm, that happens to me at least once a day. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So that's there's all sorts of resonance. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting when I read that, that that's what they were trying to do. And it's also interesting that both of these fathers are studied physics and mm-hmm. sciences and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. It's it's odd to me because I don't usually put religion and science together in my brain. Well, that is a mistake. Uh, it is a mistake. Because historically, I know. the reason science exists is because of religion. Sure, sure. But in my brain, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe that's not what that's I'm thinking. That's the trick the devil pulled on I think everyone. what I'm thinking is the separation of religion and state. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. So I'm just, no, well, I'm just I mean, stupid. It's, no, it... it <laughs> At some point in the modern times, religion has gotten away from science. It just doesn't. Yeah. Like, if you ask me, a scientist, they don't seem to make it a point to align themselves with real science. Okay. Like, they kind of seem to float around on the poppy side of science, like politics does. Okay. But there's no, like, you know, Father Augustine... And his theory on how the boson particle whatever like interacts with quarks or something. Like he doesn't, you know what I mean? There's no like religious people that I've seen that have like written papers on like particle physics or something like that. I'm sure they're out there. Sure. But the thing is, is like way back in the day, that's all there was. Right. Was like a whole bunch of, you know, priests and really religious people. They were the ones that were inventing all this science. Right. You know, like what happened? Right. Where'd that go? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because it seems odd to me. It, it is odd. So let me ask you a question. Uh, when we were living in our old house, there was a church at the end of the street that nobody ever seemed to be at, but it was the Church of Scientific something. 
And it wasn't like it wasn't Scientology. It was Oh, it was um it was the Church of Scientific something and I can't remember what it was. So is that's that That's a no, that's a big church. Yeah, but there was never anyone there, remember? Well, we probably just weren't awake when there were people there no. on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no, that's a big church. Um That wasn't a big church. That was a relatively no, I mean small church. The organization oh, of that church okay. is quite big. Christian science. Yes. Christian scientists. That's a big one. So there are sects of Christians that okay. do science. So stuff. but is that church like what this would be? No, no. I I okay. don't think so. Okay. I have no idea. Non orthodox churches. Okay. Non denomination right. whatever. All right. I always just thought that that church was a little bit culty because <laughs> Well, that one seemed a little weird. But we never saw anyone there and it, their sign didn't make yeah. any sense. Well, it could be like most churches around here. There are a lot less people going than they used to. That's true. You know? That's so. true. So uh, let me tell you a little bit more here. They ended up taking their findings to a man named Dr. Enrico Fermi. I know who that is. Do you? Mm-hmm. He's on the screen there. Mm-hmm. Who was the leading Italian uh, physicist of the time mm-hmm. in the 40s and 50s. Yes, he contributed major things to science and, and physics. Uh, he did that out of the University of Milan. Mm-hmm. There was a team of 12 people that worked on the Chronovisor for years, including Enrico Fermi and a rocket scientist named Werner von Braun. I know who, who that is, too. Who I think if, if you're listening to this and you're into all of this stuff, you probably recognize that name. The father of the United States Space Program. Yes, yes. We, we inherited him after the war. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which, luckily, we did. Who was also a Nazi. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. That happened, too. I think he probably, like, became less of a Nazi after he became an American. Why? I would guess. I don't know. But you don't know? Once a Nazi. <laughs> Is that true? Mm-hmm. Is there no ref- reformation here? I mean... I mean, I don't know that area of him, but my guess is he was probably just a hardcore science scientist. Right. And, like, usually... You know, when politics sticks its head into science, which it has been doing here in the last 20 years, the hardcore scientists are like, oh, yeah, I'll say whatever you want. Just let me keep doing what I'm doing. Correct. Yeah. He was probably into science more than anything. That would be my guess. But I don't know in this case. So um, they brought in Enrico Fermi and Werner von Braun. So in an interview in May of 1972, Ernetti said that the group had discovered that sounds and lights disintegrate into different energy forms. According to them, the chronovisor used a series of antennas made of three mysterious metals to reconstruct residual electromagnetic radiation. With the sensor, one could set a specific location, date, or particular person. An image would appear on basically what is a tube TV screen, and additionally, one could not only view the past, but also record it. How do you feel about that? Sounds legit. Does it? Does that actually sound? Because I I mean... (laughs) Well, the part where the TV records some electromagnetic frequency and then turns it into a picture, I mean, that exists, but... The format of the electromagnetic radiation has to be pretty specific for it to work. So I guess my question is, you know, this says they discovered that sounds and lights disintegrate into different energy forms. 
Well, yeah, everything. That's true about how energy works. That's just in general. Yes. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Like when you hit something with a hammer, you hear sound. Yeah. Right? You see splinters, say a piece of wood, or you see splinters fly everywhere. Sure. Right? So that thing just disintegrated into energy and sound and light. Okay. Right? Sure. So that's true for anything. You ready to hear about some more of this? (laughs) (laughs) Let's just jump into it. Yeah, there you go. Let's just jump into it. All right, let's just get right in there. Uh, Ernetti claimed that the scientific team had viewed the crucifixion of Christ and other events. However, he believed the device was dangerous. When asked about proof or photographs of Christ, Ernetti could not provide a photo, but there was a photo that was sent to a Milan-based magazine and said that they had received it from an anonymous person. The photo shows the face of a bearded man with upturned eyes. Someone noticed that the picture was identical to the one sold at the Sanctuary of the Merciful Love in Italy. The only difference was is that it was printed in reverse. So... Here is what they claimed was the Chronovisor's picture okay. of Christ at the crucifixion. But this picture is from something else? But they did find out it was from something Okay, well, else. that's a hoax. Well, yeah, but I wanted to show you the picture because when yeah. I first saw it, I was a little bit disturbed. Oh, I'm sure you were. I, I thought it was a little bit weird. I don't think that guy looks very Middle Eastern. No, he doesn't. He looks very stereotypically... Like, white like white jesus <laughs> yeah so that's it I, I, I don't know i mean obviously they proved it wrong i mean i i just or feel false. like if you wanted to have any hope of reconstructing jesus you'd probably want to like i don't know find a jewish person that lives in israel that would probably be what they might look like since he was a jewish person from israel i don't know I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not like trying to be, you know. And of course, you know, we see like the our growing up here in Ohio, you know, Jesus is like an Irishman, you know, and it's mm. like I don't think so. Yeah, he's pretty pasty <laughs> yeah. usually. Yeah, like me in the winter, like yeah. translucent. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not from the desert. No. From Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, get a good look at this. Okay. This could be the real thing. It looks like it's from a bad movie is what it looks like. It does. I just think the eyes are creepy. Um, So Ernetti was uh, said to have told people that they actually recorded Christ from the Last Supper to his death. These weren't the only events that they had viewed. They apparently had observed Cicero, Napoleon, Mussolini, and watched a 169 BCE performance of the play Thyest. Ernetti said that they had taken the machine apart after experimenting with it for fear that it would reveal state secrets. Oh, jeez. Yep. Many believe that the Chronovisor still exists and is hidden in the Vatican's secret So archive. this is just like a plot of Indiana Jones 19. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it, it's like how we started off. We're, we're making yes. Indiana Jones 
20 and here's how we start it just like that and then the german nazis from space come and steal it and we have to get it back y- yes except chronovisor yeah style yeah yeah and it turns out there's another one that was built by the government in area 51 and we can use it to find out where the other one is well, you know, this is this is according to Ernetti that it was all taken apart and uh, hidden in the Vatican. According to Andy, the device was developed further under the guarded eyes of the Vatican. The chronovisor, a device which sees in time, chrono, visor, meaning looking glass. This is ultimately where Project Looking Glass got its name. It was then given to the United States under the Navy. What was once a device that could simply view the past through a screen had now become a holographic cube that a person could stand in the center of and travel to the point in time in which the chronovisor was showing. It was primarily used to peer into the past. So they used the same technology, but they advanced it enough to create a wormhole a time tunnel. Well, not really, because he did say that the corona, uh, the coronavisor. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. He did say that the coronavisor, um, in part one, he he said that it didn't actually like take you there. You were there in a sense that you were there like a ghost, and if something happened to you, you wouldn't get hurt because you weren't actually there. But that was the box too. That was the, the advanced coronavisor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Technically possible, I think, because the information that existed at the time that these historical events happened is still technically floating around in the universe. So you could receive it, and if no doubt through artificial intelligence, just because that's a buzzword I like to use, probably not, but anyway, you would say that if you were marketing it. And you could reconstruct this thing. In fact, there was a whole show made about that. It was called Devs. So technically, I guess you could view the past. Yes. But my guess is that it's sort of like, it's like using the waves in a pool Uh and you're trying to reconstruct a specific time and place. Right. But the amount of jumbling that happens is so huge that it would be like almost impossible to decipher it. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how you just like pick out a place, how you dial that in. Yeah. I yeah, I don't get it. In the summer of 71, Andy goes to Ford's Theater in the Chronovisor approximately 8 times to see who killed Lincoln, <laughs> making him one of the first chrononauts. All right. Fall of 71, in Nutley, New Jersey, was the first time they had tried using the Chronovisor to go to the future. At one point, Andy asked his father about how they are projecting these holograms and looking into the past. His father says that they put an electromagnetic signal through an eight-sided bismuth crystal. And I have a picture of the crystal, but you already saw it because you were looking them up after we recorded But that's his time. picture of it? No, that's just a, a picture, picture of a bismuth crystal. See, that's not an eight-sided crystal, is it's it? It's not, but it's the only one of a bismuth crystal I could find. So that's the thing is, if this were indeed real, <clears throat> my guess is that the form of crystal, I'd have to read more about 
but obviously bismuth grows into a kind of interesting labyrinth type crystal naturally it's crazy colors like under the do it at your in your bathtub kind of way of making <laughs> yeah, it which right. is what these are my guess is the form that they're talking about is probably some much harder to grow crystal. Probably. I have kind of a description of what this crystal looks like, and then we can talk more about it. So a bismuth crystal is a crystalline white metal that is still solid at room temperature. However, it doesn't take much to melt it. Once molten, after the bismuth cools back down, it organizes its molecules into really interesting shapes. Mm -hmm, as all metals do, mm -hmm. well, into a crystal. Right. When matter organizes its molecules into more specific pattern, it creates a crystal. The beautiful color happens when it oxidizes. So that is kind of a, a little bit of a description of this bismuth crystal. And it is one of the coolest oh, things cool, yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, it looks wild um so i can't wait for you guys to see this and, yeah. and tell us what you think about this because yes. i think it's like the coolest thing which is why i i was telling mr lockwood i really needed to get my hands on one yeah <laughs> but see with crystals um there are one material can have different crystalline structures mm -hmm. so there are other possible shapes presumably that bismuth could take but it may take more stringent or special conditions to get it to do that right which is why the, i think the eight-sided bismuth crystal is harder to procure for the machine yeah and why maybe it's more special yeah you may need to grow it under like ultra high pressure mm -hmm. or different temperatures if this is a low melting point you might have to do it like ultra high pressure and then you can do it as you can get it to grow with a higher temperature because if you increase the pressure the temperature at which it becomes solid will go up. So according to Wikipedia, bismuth has only one crystal structure. There's no way there could be an eight-sided one? Well, I mean, that doesn't mean that Wikipedia knows everything. Well, Wikipedia is a little suspect lately. But, you know, you would definitely expect, if this kind of special crystal, eight-sided crystal or whatever were to exist, you would kind of expect that the chemists would know that there's different structures because there's, you know, trigonal, hexagonal, there's lattice styles of crystals. Yeah. There's just all these different kinds of crystal shapes. Well, this one that we have a picture so, of, to me, looks like a labyrinth. It is called a rhombohedral crystal. Oh. But see, what I'm referring to is the ways that the atoms join together. Oh, okay. That's like a microscopic structure. Right. So, anyway. Gotcha. Yeah, interesting. I like me I'm, metals or like steel and stuff. It's yeah. like cubic. I've absolutely never heard of this. When I looked it up, I was shocked that this is what this looks like. Yeah, it's like. neat. There's stuff like yeah. Years later, an English researcher finds a 1967 patent that involved eight-sided bismuth crystals and a physicist named Leo Isaki, which notes Andy's father's name in his work with the crystals. And I did look this up. And I could verify that Andy's father was involved with patenting uses for the bismuth crystals. So okay. I, I did find that. <laughs> it was hard. Did you find the papers? Send them to I me. I found the patent. Um, you can look up patents. Yeah. So, And I found, um, actually, I think on Andy's Facebook page, he posted when this English researcher found out, he reached out to Andy, and Andy posted it on his Facebook mm -hmm. page. 
and uh, it lists the patent number. So I went to the U.S. Patent Office yeah. site, put in the number, and there it was. Yeah, well, maybe that's how you make the eight-sided crystal. I don't know that it was for that. It was for uses for the eight-sided crystal. It wasn't how to. It wasn't patenting the eight-sided crystal. So, yeah, well, I don't from know. there, they they uh, there's probably a way to at least find out what. I mean, I need a picture of this eight-sided crystal, right? I know. There wasn't any pictures. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would think the shape would be extremely important for this thing to work. I would think so, too. And I think that that's why they specifically keep saying eight-sided, because otherwise they just say well, any old crystal. Well, especially when they're talking about you know resonance and things yeah. like that. That's yeah. why it matters. The shape is extremely important. Right. The size would be, too. I'm going to really need you to get on making one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to send me some stuff so okay. i can read in the picture of bismuth materials on wikipedia like they do have just a cube which means you could machine one yeah so if you could That's make just a solid question. chunk of bismuth you could just machine it yeah but it's would its properties be different then it would be yeah well it would it would just be a chunk of it yeah but if you machined it into eight sides would it have the same properties as a naturally forming eight-side crystal? No, right, not exactly. even close. Exactly. So that won't work. Yeah. You're not going to just have some like transistors and tubes and capacitors. You oh, you wire them together just right, and then this is what you get. Right. You know. So. It's an urban legend that never happened. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that if it were possible, I don't even think we would have a computer today that could do anything like that yeah i mean his dad did something with the crystals yeah i'm not saying they were eight-sided if anyone knows any more about this if you happen to be like a metallurgist yeah let us know yeah (laughs) and if you happen to have an eight-sided bismuth crystal definitely let us know so you're gonna like this part andy claims that there are people that are telling accounts of stories that are what he refers to as cover stories. <laughs> stories that are similar to the truth, but with certain details changed. This includes details of the Philadelphia Project that took place in 1943 and the USS Eldridge. The Philadelphia Experiment did not start in a Philadelphia Naval Shipyard, This is according to Andy again. And the original experiment, he says, was not to use teleportation, but to use the chronovisor to capture the images of the signing of the Constitution, which Andy says that he saw in the fall of 1970. He continues by saying that the ship that was involved was not the USS Eldridge, but a different ship by the name of the USS Martha's Vineyard, located in Long Island. He says that they were not attempting to achieve radar invisibility, but rather using Tesla teleportation to shift our ships out of the way of mines that the Nazis had placed at the bottom of the ocean. I can hear your eyes rolling. (laughs) Additionally, there were not sailors that were fused into the ship after the experiment. When the ship was returned to Virginia, one sailor that was falling through time space had a mast appear in his chest that killed him instantly. That was the only death. A mast? A mast, like a ship mast. From like an old galleon, I, like a sailboat. I don't, I don't 
Because, you know, battleships don't have masts. Right. So I have to say I just love this, though, because he is like... He's shitting on the other stories. Yeah, he's shitting (laughs) on the other stories, kind of. But And, you know, his story is real. If you don't have an open mind, that's a real out there story. So for him to turn around and be like, Mm, some of that kind of happened, like, but it happened like this. The, the the one part that bothers me is shifting it to get out of the way of, of mines in the water. Yeah. And it's like... That was when your eyes were rolling yes. the hardest. And it's because that particular scenario is a dumb one to make up. I could see if he said, like, shift it to avoid high-velocity rounds from other battleships. Like that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Or, like... Like things that there are no defense against. There's a defense against mines. Right. You just find them. Don't hit and them. And you don't drive into them. <laughs> right. Which they had technology to do that. In World right. War Two. that was not magic. We didn't need to, you know, invisibility yeah. shift around. Yeah, they had an airplane them. with a, basically a like an antenna on it. And they could detect by the metallic makeup of the mine that it was under there. Right. So then they would fly that ahead of the ships, and then the ships wouldn't hit them. I mean, that makes logical yeah. sense to me. So it's like, yeah. make up something cool. Like, yeah, when the battleship rounds are flying, yeah. it's too late. You don't have that much time. So you turn on the time warpy majigger, and they fly right through it, and they don't hit. If you could detect they're coming, but it's like too late to get out of the way. Right. You've got no, no. We five need to, seconds we before need it hits. To teleport an entire ship full of people out of the way instead of just there's no avoiding it is what i'm saying right so then of course you need this magic technology to like phase shift the ship into half reality so that the rounds just fly right through and don't hit it so what you're saying is is you don't actually like andy's andy's uh the reason for testing the technology is stupid because it's, they already have it's stupid. a way. You actually prefer something more fantastical. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You actually prefer yeah. um, Nichols, Preston Nichols. Account I do actually. Yeah. Of this. Yeah. Well, it annoys me because you have a perfectly pedestrian way of avoiding mines that exists. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah. It's proven. Don't hit You're them. not going to create a giant insane. Yeah particle physics experiment so you can avoid that all right so i want to tell you another one i have another untrue twist to a story according to andy is that albert einstein and dr john von neumann yay had any significant part in the project einstein had merely been consulted in 1943 after tesla's death and he was never on the ship Likewise, John von Neumann died in 1954 and could not possibly have been working on the Montauk Project in 1983. (laughs) So according to Andy, the Office of Naval Intelligence scripted the story of the Philadelphia experiment that is commonly told. Well, I do know that Einstein was an actual pacifist and he didn't want to work on he didn't work on the Manhattan Project because he sure was asked to do it. Right. But he wouldn't do it because right. he didn't want a whole bunch of people to die from his work. I mean, who does? Well, well that's plenty a of dumb people. question. Yeah, dumb question. <laughs> Defense contractors. Yeah. Good old Einstein. But, anyway, I yeah. thought you would be super happy that he was like John von Neumann was I think not it's part funny. of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't believe this guy either. 
Well, no, but that's what's yeah. so great about all these, like, <laughs> I, again, I still, yeah. I I believe Andy. What you just said is bullshit, but what I'm saying is true. Nuh-uh. What you said is bullshit, and what I'm saying is true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening here. <laughs> Um, so just a reminder that according to Andrew Bishago, time travel was achieved in 1970. He says that presidential elections have been undermined by government's ability to achieve quantum access. Mm. And we talked about quantum access in the last episode, which again is the ability to visit or acquire information about past and future events. Uh, and this would allow the government to know things like who will become the president? I they, they know who's going to become the president. Yeah, just maybe not in the way we think. <laughs> he alleges to know that future presidents would be guarded and protected from a distance to make sure that they were safe or would not drop from sight before actually becoming president. Andy goes on to say that he himself as a young man has had specific experiences proving that such things have happened so it's like secret time service yeah okay i believe it i'm in (laughs) for example in his 20s he acquired information on future presidents he had had lunch his his dad and a group of people because he was a child at this point or you know at least a teenager had had lunch with george w and Bill Clinton okay. when they were told that they would be U.S. presidents in the future. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got for that. I want to I hear about when Donald Trump was going to be president. Oh, I don't have Andy's that. Andy's story about I, that. I don't have that, but I do have something just as fun. So let's talk a little bit about Obama. Andy was involved in a CIA training program in the 1980s. He was a busy little bee, wasn't he? He sure was. (laughs) He sure was. That's one thing he shares in common with Mr. Nichols. Selling past the sale. Here we come. Yeah, he was involved in the CIA training program in the 1980s that teleported people to Mars. Oh, man. In November of 2011, Andrew Bishago... Is this the same program that they disabled the the club on Mars? <laughs> no, the, the planet alarm? Yeah. No. Well, the planetary defense no, system? No, this was before that because that was Montauk. That was I know. Duncan Cameron. Let's see. But the parallels? They, they may have been. Well, let's listen to Andy's okay. story okay. here. Okay. 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 You, you got to love I'm me. I'm getting get ahead of it. myself. Like, I want to go so bad that I'll listen to fake made up stories yeah. just because that's all I can get. In November of 2011, Andrew Bishago and another trainee in the program named William Stillings claimed that among the many trainees was a 19-year-old man named Barry Sotero. Yep, know who that is. Who we know today as our 44th president, Barack Obama. Obama. (laughs) (laughs) According to Andy and Stillings, this was a program for chrononauts and also included the former head of DARPA. The Mars training class took place at the college. I love this picture. Mm -hmm. So that's Barry like with Mars behind his head. Yeah. So he went to Mars? 
I mean, that's not actually a picture of him with Mars behind him, but oh. this is a photoshopped picture. Well, yeah, of, I know that. Yeah. So he was in this program. He went to Mars. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what oh. Andy's saying. Obama was in the training program with him to go to Mars. But did Obama ever get to go? If you would listen. I mean. Can you listen? I'm intrigued. You're not intrigued enough to listen to find out. Well, my, <laughs> this is the modern age. I only have one second of attention. <laughs> Too bad because. You got to hit me. And then he got to hit me again. You got to keep it going. You got at least three pages and left. Then you, and then you have to run an ad in the middle of it. <laughs> and we're going to pause here now for a word from our sponsors. Yeah. We don't have any, so we're just going to keep going. All right, ready? Our sponsor is the CIA. And DARPA. <laughs> and Montauk. <laughs> and Barry. <laughs> I wish Barry was our sponsor. Um, and now funded by the cia misinformation department mm -hmm. recruiting today oh here i have an ad ready yeah i don't like them putting chemicals in the water but they turn <laughs> the friggin frogs gay there you go there you go do you understand that <laughs> i thought it was over <laughs> okay can i please continue yes according to bishago and stillings this was a program for chrononauts and also included the former head of DARPA. The Mars training class took place at a college of the Siskiyous in California. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. And there were only 10 bright young people picked for this mission by the CIA. Mm -hmm. So only 10 of them. Mm -hmm. And Barack and Andy were two of them. They went to Mars? The purpose of the Mars program was to protect Earth from space threats and establish a level of defense. The chrononauts traveled to Mars using a jump room, which instantly transported them to the surface of Mars. There were already secret bases set up on the surface. I hope they were holding their breath when they did that. There are three other Mars trainees that have actually come forward to corroborate Andy's and the other guy's claims. I'm sure they have. They have. One of whom is the great-granddaughter of President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay. Because mm -hmm. she's connected, because she's the great-granddaughter. Are we jealous now of Barack Obama? Yep. Are you, like, so jealous you have no words now? I don't even know what to say. Okay, so let's talk about the fact that he says that uh, there were... Um, that explains the thousand-yard stare. That there were already <laughs> bases set up on the surface. Yes, with clubs on them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That Preston B. Nichols had to disarm. Oh, do you? So you think they set up these this alarms is all linked together, and then Preston had to go in and disarm them? Yeah, it wasn't Preston? It was Duncan. Oh, Duncan. Yes, but and then before they got the these, they couldn't build these bases when the you know Martian planetary defense system was in was armed. Right. So they had to go there first, disarm it, then they could get the bases and build them on there. It's mm. a lot. Of that effort. was the first wave. It's a good thing they can just teleport there quickly because otherwise this would have taken a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. It like it they just have carry been... a two by four, jump through the machine, <laughs> drop one off. Thunk, All these construction thunk, guys like, all right, Harry, oh. let's go. And they walk through with the boards <laughs> and they walk back, get some more boards, mm -hmm. walk back. Yeah. So I have a little bit, bit more. 
It was in 1981 that Andy was approached to be one of the 10 participants to teleport to Mars. He says that he really didn't want to, but was then told he had to because the survival of the human race depended on it. I I see here on your resume, mister, (laughs) that you already have teleportation experience. I do. (laughs) Yes, yes. Tell me more about that. I don't really want to go. It's classified, sir. I just don't really feel like it. I mean, I know that going to Mars would be fun and all, but I think I'm just going to pass. This is another shitty Hollywood-like B-movie like plot right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wait till you hear about the jump room for this one. Hold on. Oh, I, jump- I really wish I had a jump room. That's a cool name for it something. Is, it's really, I mean, Let's you- get to the jump room. Okay, so in July and August of 1981, when he was just 19, Andy was sent twice to Mars. The jump room was in a building and it was in an elevator. Once entering the elevator, the traveler would feel pressure and the jump to Mars took about 20 minutes. What? Well, I guess that's about how long it takes a signal to get to Mars. Right, but it was just in an elevator of a building. Like, what if somebody got in that elevator that wasn't a Mars traveler and... Just push the wrong, push the Mars. They went along for the ride. They were like, oh, so it was just. What's this button that looks like Mars? It was like a 007 hidden elevator kind of scenario. Yeah. It's like a shoe phone. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) See, these are just these weird. Yeah, this one's. These like silly kind of additions that make it worse. Can I also tell you that um, I didn't write this in here, but it was noted on everything I looked up um, about the conspiracy with Barack Obama going to Mars. Um, Barack has never said that he went to Mars, and I think that he actually has adamantly said that that did not Oh, he's actually denied it? I I feel like I read that, but I may not have. Oh, man, you know what that means when they deny it. He definitely went to Mars. Yeah, he took the elevator to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) I was supposed to be going to classics class, and I went around the wrong corner, and boy, did I make a mistake. took the wrong elevator. Let me tell you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure he had some eloquent anecdote he told about that at some fundraising dinner one time, and everyone went, "Oh, oh, 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 boy, that was funny. Right. So, I don't know. Anyway, there's there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories about, you know, Barry on Mars. So. Oh, gosh. All right. So, here are some... Uh, theories? No, no, we're not there yet. So, uh, here are some claims. Um, we're going to talk about Andy and the discovery of life on Mars. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here are some of Andy's claims. He claims that we have photographed the inhabitants of Mars mm-hmm. by NASA's rovers... Uh, rover spirit in 2007 he has identified humanoids in the pictures and a number of animal species along with many structures and carved statues Mm -hmm. on mars Mm -hmm. here's a picture of one of these now this is i'm fully aware of this i follow all the pictures from the rovers so this is a very classic picture yep i know that one yes and i will say it does look like a person it is a little bit weird um, but I'm not going to say it's an alien creature. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a woman in a long dress. Is that what you with see? Her arm up. Yeah. This is cloud watching. Yeah. Tell it, me what you see. Well, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I'm sure that's exactly that what That looks like Bigfoot to me with his arm <gasps> hanging out. Like oh. he's in mid stride. Do you think Bigfoot's a Martian? Yes. Dude. 
that's cool okay well i like that too but let's let's see what andy says about this um so yeah there's one of the pictures i knew you would have already seen this mm-hmm. and known about it um i'll post it up that and, went like viral yeah like, at one point like on the right internet. after they yeah showed it and to of people. course the conspiracies went and then sure. a, then it was like all the other people were like oh, that's just a rock Right. He says that there has been a cover-up to hide the fact that we have been going to Mars since at least 1981. He has been told that there are somewhere around, wait for it, 600,000 U.S. personnel already on Mars. Cool. And he can verify, however, that when they sent him in 1981, there were, in fact, already humans on Mars when he got there. Mars had already been colonized, and other beings also inhabit Mars, but they live primarily underground. Okay. Right. So, like, it wasn't even our modern humans that had colonized Mars? It was some other version of humans, like older or... I I don't think so. That doesn't make sense. But he's saying that there were already humans (laughs) on Mars. Like 1776, secret delegation of, of... pre-colonial yeah. americans were like sent to mars yeah. to start another colony and now they're yeah. thriving they're, they're still wearing powdered wigs <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah okay. i don't know either <laughs> yeah this uh, the further i go the more yeah, it gets the more worse. i'm just gonna say i don't know the schizophrenia becomes more apparent as time goes on want to believe andy this is all really good the very beginning of the story was like oh man i can't wait to come what happens next we'll talk some more about it all right yes that's okay so andy wrote a paper on the subject in 2008 after which he was contacted by this by a cia member that told him that the cia estimates that there are about one million humanoids living in the underground region of the planet of mars that's not very many There are structures that appear to be bunkers made of cement on Mars, according to Andy. The paper that he wrote includes pictures. Oh, and I have the paper. Hold on. (laughs) This is that picture again. Well, that's the first picture. Yeah. Keep going. There's more. Okay, that's a hut. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there's structures. That's a fucking rock that's this big. Yeah. Just So so you know. I'm going to keep reading while you're looking. (laughs) Okay. Yes, I've seen all this. I haven't seen the paper. Okay. So he says that his paper that he wrote includes pictures of the surface of Mars, of humans, animals, and has photos of different colors of Mars, which are turquoise and pink. Now, I printed this off in black and white, so I can't verify that. And if he's talking about that being turquoise and pink... I just think that that's a camera thing. I'm sure that there are different areas of Mars that have different quil- colored soils. That that would okay. There would must be just like Earth, you know. Andy um, ends up writing National Geographic, and he asks them to publish this paper in their journal. I'll bet they really wanted to get on that. Andy has not received a response. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Andy, according to him, has been the target of a disinformation campaign ever since coming forward with his discovery of life on Mars. The goal being to defame Andy and to distort his evidence. 
Okay, where did that picture? <laughs> I want like who made that? I don't know. The internet made this. It's awesome. It, it is just it is like great, right? so good. So it's a picture of Andy with a like a time tunnel behind him and a Pegasus, Pegasus horse flying out of the time tunnel with like an old fashioned stopwatch open in front of him. And it's, it's awesome. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. It's so demeaning. <laughs> I mean, I kind of love it. It looks like an album cover to like an old vinyl <laughs> yes, record, doesn't it? Yeah, like a 70s acid band. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or like something you would paint on the side of a van. Like if this literally said Pegasus Project on yeah. it, I'd think it was a record. Yeah, like a heavy metal like, yeah. hair band or something. Yeah. Oh, somebody needs to do that. <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. I, I'm sure there is one. I want like a, I want a, I want a t-shirt of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not that far removed from like the wolves howling at the moon. No, like, I love picture, it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. On I like, the t-shirt. I love it. In 2016 and in 2020, Andrew D. Bishago runs for president of the United States of America. And he claims that he will continue to run until 2028. He has seen in his future that he will become either president or vice president between 2016 and 2028. Here is his campaign picture for 2016, and it says, Andy, 2016, a time for truth. Dude, that is so good. I love this slogan. I love it. And there's a picture of him with a flag in the background, and obviously he did not become the president it is a very very good slogan i mean especially now with just well so much to it and yes a time for truth which is it's very interesting that he picked that but where he's going with that is that he wants to reveal Uh a time traveling Mm -hmm. project so or he just wants to fix the government uh, no he has stated very clearly that he wants to oust all of (laughs) these secret projects so well Yes. Isn't that what we all want? So you guys can either look that up or I will definitely drop this one in in the Facebook page uh, for you to look at. Here's the thing. We are now at Theories. I'm not even sure where to really go at this point. Uh, We have covered so much information. And to be honest, this is just a fraction of the details that Andy gives in his interviews and writings. But if I had put everything in here, we would be recording for days. Um, He provides many names that are verifiable, and he has an unwavering and consistent story. So with that, go ahead and pull out your red flags. (laughs) I hope I gave you a round enough picture. Like, I went... Yeah, you you did. You... So when this the the previous episode when you started with the story, mm-hmm. like is that the order that he tells the stories in as well, like or that these have become public, or did you pick that order, or like did you want to hook me try to because you knew towards the end here it was gonna get rocky, or is that like no I went in chronological order that was chronological well okay our timeline normal yeah. chronological order because yeah. This pattern seems to align with other fantastical stories in that the beginning stories are very much better than the ending stories. I mean, you know I don't what I mean? know. I don't know. 
like to me as far as just like believability well, the, and stuff. Well, part one was just mostly about the Pegasus yeah. project. Part two was a little bit more of after the Pegasus project yeah. and what happened with him. But yeah. the part, the Pegasus project is the story is much tighter, in my opinion. I'm sure the man has a million more stories about yeah. time travel and the chronovisor and and teleportation and i'm i'm sure he does um and i would love to know them all but these are just the ones that were accessible yeah so but i did go and try to look up all the people he talked about you know i did try to verify that these people were real people and i really had a hard time disproving the pegasus stuff <laughs> which sounds crazy <laughs> I think it's easier to prove that Barry didn't go to Mars. Well, it's real hard to prove a negative. That's part of the reason that all this stuff really gets legs is because, especially if it never happened, it's you know you can't say something never happened. You yeah you can't you say can't that, that none of this ever. Yes. Yeah. Which is why we're back to the falsifiability problem. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I will tell you exactly where I stand. I believe him. I want to believe him. <laughs> and he will be my vote for the next president of the United States of America. <laughs> and all I have to say to you is Andrew Bishago, 2024. <laughs> I mean, I, you might as well. I, I'm, You could do a lot worse. I'm telling you what, everybody. Like, I mean, we've had... Some interesting times for presidents. <laughs> and I just don't know why this time traveler slash teleporter or chrononaut, I don't know why this chrononaut could not be the next president. I mean, clearly we've jumped timelines. We need someone that has experience navigating timelines to get us back. You are so right. <laughs> um, I feel like we jumped a timeline every day of my life yeah. um, since about six years ago. Yeah, remember the other, what was a week ago, I just had that one day where I'm like, I think we've merged back into our old timeline, but only temporarily. Yes. It was like one day where all the stuff I was reading, it just like felt like the old time old yeah and then that was gone and we were back Back. to the new timeline yes um so i I mean i'm 110 percent like i i I haven't seen any campaigning for andrew bishago i tried to find his facebook page i tried to find his regular website where he would be running and campaigning yeah um and i couldn't find anything that verified that he was running for 2024 because I, I'm not I like I would love for you all to think I'm joking, but I'm not like <laughs> I am voting for Andy. <laughs> Write him in. <laughs> I, I am. I'm writing him in. I don't know if he's running. I hope he is. And if I find out that he is, I will put that link in Facebook um, because I, I think you're right, Mr. Lockwood. I, I think we need someone who has experience and has the knowledge to get us through this time crisis and to maybe get us back to our old one. Yeah. Uh, where things were a lot less painful <laughs> in all kinds of ways. <laughs> Only a truly insane man can get us in, back into a sane world. I don't think he's insane. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He's been through it. I'm like, I'm laughing, but I'm really not joking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, it's just, it just smells. It just has that stench of too much 
it's like if you could just pick the one story, probably any one of them, it'd be like, oh man, that is wild and like cool and good. If it if he stuck with the just the Pegasus stuff, it, like you said, that yeah. was kind of the meat and potatoes, yeah. the good part of the story. But then it goes into oh, well, I got to meet presidents when we were telling them they were going to yeah. be presidents. And, you know, I bumped into Barry on Mars. Yeah, and, and see, it's kind of like that moment when we when you showed me, like, Preston B. Nichols' interview. Yes. That was when everything for me soured on him mm-hmm. because I got to see him telling his story. Yes. And it was like, I feel like this guy might be like that where I don't he, think like, so. he's looking at the interviewer. No. It's like, I got him still. Okay, and you then know he what? goes on. Let's do something. Let's. We're gonna do something we don't normally do. I. We're gonna uh, pause, and I'm gonna let Mr. Lockwood watch a couple minutes of an interview with Andrew Bashago, right. and then we're gonna come back and see what he thinks. Okay. Because I feel like we did that with Preston, and you got to come back and be like, <laughs> "What the actual hell?" So. Yeah, that guy was a total just okay. storyteller. All right, so we'll be back in a blink of an eye. He's a hypnotist. Ah. I like that. Yep. We just watched Andy. The way he talks and carries on, it's like an entirely one run-on sentence the whole time. And with no substance, but things that sound like substance. Lots lots of big words. Lots of... Uh, yeah, funny enough, even words that are made up. Yes. Like, which one did you think? I don't know exactly, but there's words that sound like words that aren't words. They're almost like real close to a word, and it, but it just goes right past you like, oh, yeah, okay, I've never heard, oh, I've never heard that word. Oh, that must be, he must just be real smart. So in this video that I showed Mr. Lockwood, he was giving a seminar. Mm -hmm. Um, He was at like a conference or or giving a a two-hour-long seminar. Oh, buddy. uh, Where he outlined a lot of what I, what I, told you in this in these two episodes so at the end of this seminar they're holding kind of a Q&A and uh there's a man that asks Andy a question and the way Andy answers the question is very um circular yes <laughs> and I would say after and like I listened really hard to his answer I couldn't make heads it or tails of what sense. he said to him uh, yeah. but he did continue to um he kept telling the guy that he needed to change the way he asked the question or the way he was thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, and that's fine. But it was actually the the way that he would synchronize his facial expressions, especially like kind of making eye contact with the questioner Yeah. at very specific times and even phrases and like syllables, oh. at specific syllables. But he was very good at, he actually would use in his runabout sentence the same word a few times, but he would emphasize the same syllable. It's almost like the word would pop up at an interval that was specific. Okay. Like when he was doing a circular explanation of that one answer, he would use the same word like every second or every second and a half. And on the same syllable would give the emphasis on the face. On the face. (laughs) Like he was. Okay. Okay hypnotizing that person yeah yeah i mean i could see that i like i said i watched a few of these um seminars and interviews with other people and listened to a lot of stuff just to get some of the information that i could and um i mean i definitely came out ready to vote for him so i mean i hate to say it but if there were a con man doing the same thing he would act the same way Uh, i think yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I can see that. And I. You you don't think people paid him money to be there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm sure he gets paid for that. I wonder if it was a shockingly large amount of money. I don't know. How much would you pay to attend a two hour seminar of some famous person that. You know, to you that is famous. possibly time yeah. traveled or possibly teleported. I, mean, I wonder what would be a reasonable amount. I don't know. Like I would, I would pay to go see him right now. I mean, if there was <laughs> food and booze, yeah, and it was like fifty bucks, and I'd be like, "Hey, date night, we're going to see this whack oh, job." Dude, I'd pay more than yeah. that. Five hundred. Couple hundred. Yeah. Couple hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Con. I've been conned. <laughs> what do you want from me? But I wouldn't be surprised if each one of those people there paid 500 bucks or 400 bucks. You know that my brain is soft. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's just the impression I get. Very hypnotizing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But I still, there's just parts of his story that I really, like I said, I I can't disprove them. You can't unsee it. Well, yeah, I can't unsee it either. I can't disprove him and I can't prove him. So where does that leave me? I guess that leaves me with voting for him. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. That's his strategy. That's where I'm left. Yeah. And you know what? It worked. (laughs) So I, I am so curious for you guys to comment on the post for the second part or the post for the first part and i would love to hear what you guys take oh i got one on andrew yes and his story is because this was like just so much and i wish i could have given you every single detail or bit of information but i mean it was epic i have one more question for you esther yes if with all these things that you watched and read yes did the words i don't know ever come out of his mouth no i don't think that's a big tell. Yeah. Because I, I even someone who really invented time travel, yeah, they would still say, I don't know at some point. It is alarming to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are staring at me so intently No right one now. has all the answers. <laughs> Wait a minute. You've been telling me, me you included. had all the answers for years. I'm admitting to it now. <gasps> Y'all heard because it. I have to cover up my fraud that I've been committing on you for these last decades. <laughs> now I'm not saying I'm wrong right now. You heard it. I'm here. saying that no one's right all the time. Do you like to describe the little dance I just said? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was ugly. It was an ugly so, dance. Uh, that's my one question. Yep. I, I think we need to find him saying I don't know, and that would make yeah. him a lot more believable if he did that. Maybe he'll alter. His behavior in the future to become even more scammy. Or believable. Or believable. Really quickly, I went out with my father today Mm -hmm. to uh, go looking for junk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's what we like to do. (laughs) Go finding junk treasures. And um, I mentioned in the last episode that I would ask my father, who was about Andy's age. In the 60s, if he remembers... The device called the tachistoscope. Uh-huh. And I did ask him that today. And he told me, at first he was like, never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Now, my dad went to a Catholic school, mm-hmm. a pri- like a private Catholic school. Um, and across the street from the Catholic school, actually, because I went to the public school in that town, is they're like right across the street from each other. He was like, I, I don't ever remember hearing the word tachistoscope. And so I explained to him what it was. 
and showed him the picture of the device and people using it. And he says, I've never seen that. But what you're describing to me, it wasn't a box that one person would look through. He said what it was, was everybody in their desks, at their desks, and up on a big screen, they would do it to a group of us. Oh, yeah. man. He said that it was a group thing, and they 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 claimed it was so that we would be able to learn faster, mm-hmm. read faster. And I was a little bit like, like, I have chills right now. I was yeah. like, that's a little bit weird. So I told him about Project Talent and how they were like looking for these kids to put into this other project. Uh-huh. And they were basically testing how smart they were. And da- and my dad said, um, so we were walking into a Wendy's while I'm like explaining <laughs> this to him. And so I told him that and he kind of looked at me. And I, I mean, my dad is quite a silly guy like he's funny yeah Uh, but he looked at me and I did not detect any amount of him pulling my leg and he said well I think he was in first grade which is when you're about six and I hadn't told him the ages in which they Mm -hmm. were like you know acquiring these children to go into this program and he said he remembers that for like one year they did it. It was when he was in the first grade. And after that, the next year, there were a bunch of kids that weren't there that did not come back to school the hmm. following year. And I was like, hmm. what? So. Yeah. Yeah. You can never tell with him. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that part that about cool, like disappearing that. kids is a 50-50. <laughs> but, uh, he, but he, when he said to me, like, I don't know what a tachistoscope is. And then I explained to him what it was and what it was for and showed him the picture. And he said, I've never seen it. And then turns around and says, but this happened. Yeah. As a group. That's very cool. That was very yeah. weird. So. Maybe it's real. That's a fun little it tidbit. It could be real. So if any of you listening are a little bit older or have parents and, that and know, remember this thing or, yeah, I mean, I think that's crazy. <laughs> yes, I we think, need yeah. <laughs> to kiss to scopes anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> we need to start a club. Yep. yep. That's my club. T.A. To, to kiss to scopes anonymous. That's oh, hard yeah, to that's say. That's what it means. Yeah. T.A. T-A. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That is not what this is about. <laughs> um, so do you have any more you'd like to say? Because I have a little fun bonus thing here. No, I think I've said my piece. Okay. We know how you feel. <laughs> we know how you feel. All right. So fun bonus. Um, let's talk about some of the shows and movies that are probably based off of Andy's story. Yes. So the one, and Andy actually mentions this show. And he kind of um, was alluding to the fact that this TV show was kind of based off of him and his dad, and that would be The Fringe, where there's a father scientist that works for the government and the son who then teleport and time travel, and they go through time tunnels. See, this is giving him more credit now, you know, because Preston, he freaking, like, took over Hollywood for a while. Well, right? they took With they Netflix. took over his stories. Yeah. yeah. So here, this guy, he's got one oh, too. Oh, he's got some, yeah. yeah. So that was one, um, was The Fringe. And, you know, he even mentions their names. Yeah. And the names are like, his name is Andy and the kid's name is Peter. And he even says like, well, our last name is Bishago and their last name was Bishop. Bishop, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. he was like, mm, maybe. All right. 
Um, I liked it. I was like, yeah, totally about Andy and his dad's <laughs> time traveling. Um, so another one, The Matrix, obviously. Uh, when the I don't see that one. When he, I told you the story earlier. It might have been the last in the last episode where he and the kids they go into the um, oh I forget which one of the machines it was. But he sees something and he comes out and he said, it's really weird. I see like a black bridge, but I can't get past it. It's like I'm stuck. And she said, yes, we're calling that the Matrix. Like all the kids are experiencing that. But so. you're, you're talking about the movie, The Matrix? Yes. <laughs> no. We're attributing that no. to Andy. No. No? No. Oh, okay. Not in the least. How about the Pegasus Project in general? Maybe. What do you mean? Maybe. The Pegasus Project in general. Like, we're attributing the Matrix movie to the Pegasus no, Project. No, not okay. at all. So here's here's the thing about these, and what I find interesting, and I wanted to talk about this for a minute, is that there are all these shows like this, and there is there is a theory that the reason all of these shows are coming out and the reason is because the government is slowly leaking out truths about what have already happened, but they're putting them in movie and TV show form to see how people react to them. But see, no one cares. Well, we all love it. So yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, okay, so there was contact. Yes. That was a great movie. I really liked that book when I was a kid. And I thought, man, you know, if we ever did discover life and it started communicating with us, people would freak out. Like, if you read the book, it's a lot different than the movie. Sure. As far as most of what the purpose of the book was, was to, as a thought experiment, determine what would happen on Earth. Yes. When contact is made. Was made, Like, how are people going to just freak out? Freak out. Is the whole world going to, like, nuke itself out of panic? Like, you know? Yeah. But... And at the time, I thought that was really fascinating. Now that I know, like, I do know what would happen. Nothing. No (laughs) one would care. Well, some people would freak out. People like us would be, like, very happy and excited and probably a little alarmed. Oh, You know, like, what's going to happen now? Oh, God, it's cool. I don't think alarmed is the word for it. I would be excited and terrified all at the same time. I wouldn't be terrified, but I'd be worried. I'd be like, you know, Mm. these things could Mm. just kill us. Yeah. Hopefully they're friendly. But you know what? It's kind of too late. So nope. whatever happens, happens. It's here now. Now we just got to deal with that. I, I predict zero panic. Okay. So you worldwide. don't think that the government and Hollywood are in cahoots and just releasing this stuff to see what... what? No, I don't okay. think they're worried at all. Or, or do you think they're releasing it and being like, ha ha, we're just telling you what we've already done and you have no idea any of this is real. No, I don't think they're doing that at no. all. I think there's just a group of people that want to make money and they get these stories and they make them into movies. Right. Um, and they probably like them too. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's there. I mean, I, I love you know, the fringe up until about the last what, season or two. Yeah, it got freaking wonky. It just it, was like. It got weird. Once they yeah. actually like create, got another timeline and then there were duplicates of yeah, the girl. Like, I yeah, just know. Well, yeah. But it was good because even then the, um, the woman in the fringe, she had been like an MK Ultra experiment, yeah. remember? So that, I, that was a good one. I liked that one a lot. I, um, I think shows especially nowadays that so many have become like series they're like books now which is great yeah please have an ending yes don't just keep going, going and forever. milking yeah just i would it. rather have a show come out that is three seasons long that has a definite 
beginning yes. and a really good ending. And like, yes. let's not drag it out and beat our heads yes. on the wall. Stop being yes. greedy and milking. I don't want to be disappointed. Just finish it well. Yeah, I'd rather not be disappointed yeah. and then be like, you know, next year, oh, hey, let's watch that series again because it was so good. Not, yeah. oh, that sucked. I'm never going to watch that again. Yeah, it actually, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I would not want to watch Fringe again, even though I liked oh, the first. Few I would. Seasons. I would watch the first few seasons again, especially mm. now knowing and hearing all these stories that we've dug into. I would love to kind of go back and watch the yeah. first few seasons just to see what we can, you know. Well, that's why I said earlier, together. like all these Futurama jokes that I didn't get, I get yes. now. Yeah. Because the people who wrote it obviously know about a lot of this stuff. So it's true. So the last one that I want to talk about is and you mentioned this one before and we had watched this not that long ago and as soon as i started reading about what the chronovisor was i immediately had an oh shit moment where i was like that show devs yeah was entirely about the chronovisor yeah Yes, which is interesting. If you have not seen Devs, it's D-E-V-S, all capitals. Was it on Netflix? Yeah, it was on Hulu. It was on I don't know Netflix what channel. or Hulu. It might have been, no, it was on Hulu. It might have been like, I don't know if it was a Hulu original or if it was just, you know, on NBC or something. I don't know. Yeah, and it was, it, I mean, when I first saw like the preview for it, I was like, this is just my kind of weird. It's a little... You know. Yeah, it starts off very like you don't know what it's about, mm-hmm. so we're kind of spoiling it for you. But but it's cool. If you enjoyed this story, we won't say anything more about it. Go watch Devs. It's it's yeah, I liked it. Yeah, if you it was cool. if you like the idea of a Chronovisor, you'll like that show. Yeah, I think I need to. That's it. Go back in time and reclaim all my my time. That's all, <laughs> folks. <laughs> all I right. Guess. Well. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I know this was a long one. I, you know, if you guys could give us a little feedback on whether or not you like the two parters or you like them a little shorter, a little more bite size, that would be awesome. I, I, more suggestions for stories too. Yeah, I I, love doing the deep digs. We do have a couple suggestions. There is one we're going to cover next time. I like the lead masks. Yeah, that was a good one. That was neat. Yep. Never heard anything like that before in my life. So I'm glad we got that. Very bizarre. Yeah. Any kind of feedback you guys want to give us, feel free just to comment on Facebook. And if you want to be a little more involved, if you want to talk to other people that like this kind of stuff, you can join our Facebook group. You want to say goodbye? Thanks, Esther. Goodbye. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.